from the Thai Cats Audio Network. This is the Thai Cats This Week with RJ Broadhead and Luke Tasker. It is great to have you with us for Thai Cats This Week. RJ Broadhead along with Luke Tasker and three games to go. They're all important now to take the words of Jovan Santos Knox. We're in playoff mode now, win now mentality. Luke, uh, it's the fates in the Ticats' hands. They win and they're in the playoffs, and that's an exciting time of year to be in that position. Absolutely. It's really all you can ask for. The Even this year, there's been 14 games. This is still true, but normally with an 18-game season, it's like all that summer football, all of those games that you played, they're so long ago, you're a different team by, at this point. You really are. Like Oftentimes, you get to, the, to this October-November football, and it's like you don't even – you can't even identify with that team that was playing in July, right? But you get all this way, all these games played, and still everything's not set in stone yet, and it's all still on you to go out and make your best plays and, 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 and determine your destiny going into the postseason. This is just the best time of year of CFL football. It's so fun to be a player, and it's fun for us to watch. And it's, it's been a crazy season for every team but Winnipeg. They're on cruise control. They're in good shape. They know they're yep. going to host the West final. BC's lost five in a row. They led in four of those five games. That, that game against Toronto was crazy. I, I know we were texting back and forth, but Jimmy Camacho, the kicker of the Lions, missing three field goals in the final five minutes and nine seconds, goes mm-hmm. to overtime. Toronto goes for a two-point convert after they go first in overtime, which is risky. Because you don't get it, and the other team can yeah. easily get a touch. Well, not easily, but if they yeah. get the touchdown, the, the one-point conversion's a lot easier, and, and BC couldn't convert on two. And then Toronto in first place, seven wins, and five of their seven wins have been by three points or less. So you just look at this season for so many teams in the CFL, and we're Ticats focused, but so many teams have had – ups and downs and one or two plays the other way and and it could have been way different and bc's still in the mix after losing five in a row and a four and seven record they're not out of the playoff uh uh question in the in the west or the crossover at this point if ticats win they're out of the crossover but yeah it's uh it's crazy that you lose five in a row and you still have a chance yeah it is really incredible and you know, BC just got off to a great start. They put themselves in a good position this season, but have played, but have not been able to make it happen lately. And this is another week, the third straight week, where the Ticats can kind of use that idea of keep a losing team losing. I mean, they just you, you, you gotta give the ch- give a team the chance to make mistakes and don't be turning over the ball yourself. Don't eliminate the penalties that we saw. I think it was 15 of last week and coach O addressed it that, that that really can't be a part of a winning formula. Now in that game in Edmonton, you know, the Elks also had 13 penalties or something like that. So in some ways it balanced, but you know, you eliminate those mistakes and you allow a losing team to continue to make the mistakes they've, they've made. It's interesting what you say that about Toronto though. They've had so many games that have been decided by, you know, a very thin margin. Hamilton has had that as well. Not these past two wins, which were, you know, uh, pretty, pretty dominant, but in that mid stretch of the season there, Hamilton had a number of games that were cited by less than three points, except they went (laughs) towards the loss for Hamilton. Very, very commonly Toronto has snuck that win out from a lot of those games that were close. And you could say, well, that's sort of an equalizer. These teams are playing, you know, it's going either way. They're both playing good. They're making some mistakes. They're, putting together some good games, but I don't want to understate the fact that 
Toronto has been able to, you know, a win is a win. And if you make it happen at the end of the game, you made it happen. I mean, you, you, you earned that win. And so those games that the Ticats lost by a margin, there were many reasons why they quite got that close and why they didn't pull ahead. So I got, you got to give Toronto some credit for having won those games by a tight margin, but Hamilton has, has now been playing their best football hands down the last two weeks. And even, even, uh, uh, three weeks ago, we saw at least a good offensive performance and a loss that get that day. But BC Lions coming to town, and they're this is one hundred percent playoff football for them. They have to win, or it's done. Yeah, absolutely. And and more oddities. Their better record on the road. They're three and one against the East Division. Two of those wins against Ottawa. One against Montreal. So they have had success against the East. Just looking at. The statistics, one thing that stands out to me is, is the run game, and specifically BC's run game. It's, it's last in the CFL, and Hamilton's run defense, we've seen it. It's, it's been excellent, number two mm-hmm. in the CFL. So Jimmy but, uh, James Butler's been better lately for BC. But still, you'd have to think, if that statistic holds up, that the BC passing game, they'll have to rely on that because Hamilton has not allowed teams much of a run game. Yeah, they haven't. And if you're, you know, if you're thinking as from the BC Lions, uh, you know, offensive strategy, something you've struggled with all year, and now you're going into a very, very tough run defense. Are you really going to try to get right the ship in your run game this week, yeah. this late in the season? No, you're going to rely on your veteran quarterback and 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 your and your receivers to go make plays. That said, it's not like they're facing a bad pass defense this week, so it's just going to be a tough battle for BC to find some traction. Um, like it is for every offense against the Hamilton uh, defense this year. Uh, I do think that I expect to see some substantial pressure, I think, from, from the Ticats, knowing that they can you know, get a strong rush and try to, and try to get that ball out of the hands very quickly. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't want, I've said this all year, RJ. You know what I think. I, I don't want to be an offense trying to plan against the Ticat defense. I just don't. They, they, are, they, are, they are playing very, very well this year. Yeah, they've been really fun to watch. Mike Riley, one of the best in CFL history, is getting close to 13th all-time on the, on the passing yards list. But let's stick with the defense. You let us into it. Uh, Jovan Santos-Knox, he had the big game, 10 tackles yeah. against Edmonton, his former team. But that's the first uh, time a, a Ticat has hit double digits this year. That's pretty good uh, performance in a game. Yeah, spectacular. And uh, we've, uh, Tunde Adelike also had a, 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 good, a, good tack, a good number of tackles last week as well. Um, you know, I, I have been very impressed with the linebacking core for the Hamilton Tigercats this year. And Jovan Santos-Knox, I think he does go a bit under the radar. Simone Lawrence is having a great season and he's, and he's kind of doing what he's done for all, all his years with the Ticats. He's showing up every week. His, he's, he's getting the spotlight and he's getting it rightly. So, I mean, he's just a playmaker. He's all over the field, but he is supported uh, by two linebackers that have, that have also had great seasons as first year Ticats, Jovan Santos, Knox and Cameron Kelly. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. They, they've been, they've been great. And I, I have to talk about Dylan Wynn too because I, I know you're a big fan. <laughs> oh, you know I love talking about Dylan Wynn. He's <laughs> yeah, he's got three sacks in his last three games, and 
he was talking uh, in one of the Zoom chats and, and said that he's excited for the bar fight this week. And right away, I thought of you and, and that time during the game, you said, if you know, you're going down an alley, this is the guy you want Dylan Wynn as, as the guy with you. And I, I thought that's so typical. Bar fight, get in there and just grind it out. He against Edmonton that was so physical. Hundred percent. I mean, that's how he looks at his job as a as a football player. He's a fighter, man. He's just and he's and he's not nasty. He's not not dirty. He's just a big. He's just a big, big, strong, athletic guy, and he's quick. I mean, he is a very very challenging guy to block. I remember when he came to the uh, to the Tie Cats, Mike Filer and Brandon Revenberg, who had who had obviously played against him in his time in Toronto. And both of those guys looked at me and they said, it's a good thing that he's, he's with us now. Like I'm tired. Like, <laughs> That's always a good sign. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm tired of, I'm tired of seeing him in blue three times a year. The, uh, just a, just a great player. And he just kind of, he's just kind of an easy guy to sort of admire the way that he approaches the game. He's just very, he's team oriented. His interviews are always sort of distributing the credit and, and, and the, uh, and, and just the praise to his teammates and coaches and, he embraced the Hamilton tie cat sort of mantra, sort of the way of being a tie cat so quickly and easily. He's just, he's a bar fighter. That's his, that's, that's his, that's how he plays football. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the best compliment a player can have from his peers. Uh, yeah. Compliment, getting compliments like that. And he, he talked about, I think Louis B asked him about uh, Jeremiah Masoli and the numbers that Masoli has been putting up. He's, and he, he doesn't really watch the offense. He's focused on what he has to do on defense one play at a time. He really simplifies it. And it, it makes sense. One week at a time, one play at a time, just make that specific play and, and don't worry about what's going to happen three plays down the line. Yeah. The, the, you know, that's an interesting thing that he said that because I, I, I found – going being up in the booth this year you actually you and i watch a game way more intently than you do as a player on the sidelines you know and we we can we start to naturally like like a fan like anybody in media you start to formulate how the season's looking and what this game means that game means and you you get that understanding as a player but all the details, the players are in charge of the details you know we can only see the results we can just see the big picture but the players are the folks on the details. That doesn't ex- it surprise me at all. Dylan, when you get off the field, you're focusing on getting right for your next drive. And I've, I always realize, I, I recognize that this year, I, you really don't get a chance to, as a receiver, watch your defense play that often. You come off the sidelines and you're trying to get right for your next, uh, you know, yeah. your job because you're in charge of the little things and you got to get that right. And so it's very different. Uh, you know, it's very different as a player. And, and, and we're, we're not, we're not privy to that to that level of 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 football and and operating and preparing. Uh, very unique to watch it from the sidelines like that. And probably why there's a, a coach for every different so, little aspect of, of football. One guy can't can't handle it all. It's just a, a lot going on. So many details. That's what the yeah. game comes down to. Yeah. So uh, Jeremiah Masoli, performer of the week, performer of the month for October. It's just been a, a great run for him. The the best uh, passer rating possible at one fifty eight point three against Edmonton. He just continues to roll, make smart decisions, throwing touchdowns, not throwing interceptions. But he said something interesting, and it took me to Monday Night Football. I was watching the the Manning brothers, and Daniel yeah. Jones threw an interception. Bang! As soon as he threw it, Peyton Manning said, "His eyes, his eyes." He never looked away. He looked at the receiver, and they showed a replay, and 
the, the defender just totally read his eyes. Mm. And that's one thing Jeremiah Masoli said. He said he's feeling more comfortable. Um, the team's doing well. He's thinking better. But he said his footwork's better and eyes are in the right place. And maybe that's something that get, gets overlooked, that defenders are, are really reading those eyes. And if you can look them off, what, what a, a big difference it would make. But the, just that replay really, and Peyton Manning spotted it immediately. Then when you yeah, saw the replay, it's like, oh, yeah, of course he's throwing <laughs> there. <laughs> yeah, I think you're so right. And I think it comes with, for Jeremiah, it comes with that with comfort and preparation. And you get into it, and you and these, these quarterbacks, when they're in their zone, they're seeing those contours. They're seeing those defensive shapes that you and I are seeing up from the booth when you know when we're looking at three high and 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 uh, cut coverage down to the flats or one high or zero. And they're seeing those contours, and they have they're looking at that when you're in the zone and you're not looking at your receivers because you know where they're going to be, and so you don't have to watch them. So as you if when you can keep your hot your eyes through the Sam through the Sam linebacker to the free safety half and corner. And when that, when you're as a quarterback, you're looking to that wide side of the field and seeing all those shapes form at one point and you're getting those signals that say, okay, I'm at the, I'm, I'm going to be throwing to this side of the field or you see, or you see that shape. That's not what you want. And then you can look to the other side and see that will boundary half boundary corner. And then, you know, and you, 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 when you have that concept in your head of where your receivers are, you're in the zone, and when things are when things are moving too fast for a quarterback, you you, you have to fall. Or or when it, when you're a young quarterback and you're not you're not quite there yet, and you maybe can ID a coverage prior to the snap, and and you have but you have to make that pre-snap decision. Well, th- then then you're just then you're just getting dragged along by the game, and all you can do is just watch your receivers until they get open and throw it. But those these guys who are operating at a very high level are scanning and seeing this defensive shapes that's telling them which side to go. And they already know where the receiver is going to be within that defensive contour. Sounds to me like Jeremiah Mazzoli is feeling very, very comfortable in that level of operation. Comfortable and confident because even like just go out and have a target, stare at that one, but you're going to throw to your left. You're going to look to your right, throw to your left and immediately do it and be accurate. That, that uh, <laughs> that's pretty good skill. So there's a lot going on in the quarterback's mind. I know we've gone on and on here, Luke, but I, I, you want to play a game? I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's play. How well do you know the Ticats' third all-time leading receiver? And our contestant today is Luke <laughs> from the Buffalo area. <laughs> All right. So the Ticats have not had a 100-yard receiver this season. They've come close Amazing. five times. Five times they've been in the 90s. Last week, Tim White was their leading receiver at 89 yards. Wow. The question to you is how many times did Luke Tasker have a 100-yard receiving game in his seven years with the Ticats? Wow, that's interesting. Uh, 18, 14. So I I cheated because I did the research and uh, (laughs) probably felt like 18 because if you You, had it all up, there's some pretty big numbers in there. You went back and watched all the games, didn't you? And you counted the yards yourself. (laughs) That's that's right. Yeah. The computer is an amazing thing, (laughs) but it's, I talked to Tim White about it. Talked to Jalen Acklin. They said, it's not a big deal. Team winning. And, and that's the, the right attitude and the right thing to say. But from an individual standpoint, just give us some perspective on what a 100-yard receiving game means for a receiver. Yeah, um, it is a nice threshold. I mean, that's a, you know, it's, a, it's not just for the sake of being an even number. That, that kind of is a – you were an impactful player when you got over that 100 yards. But to, 
to those guys' points, Jalen Acklin and the receivers that you just mentioned there, the team winning, the bigger, the really the more important point is, is if you wanted to focus on the passing game, is total pass yards. I mean, if that quarterback completes the pass to seven different guys, chances are somebody might not be over 100 yards, and that's kind of happening. I love watching <laughs> Turnowski came in the game yeah. in Edmonton, and sure enough, Soli hits him on an air route for 45 yards that very next play. I mean, that is, the, that is such an interesting thing about this offense and the way that they're operating and about the trust that Tommy Condell is putting in this receiver group that's, kind of, that's filled with some young guys. I, I, I love that that's how the game's progressed. But to your question, it is a great threshold to hit. It really is. I remember games where it, it's almost like, you, especially for me when I was playing in the slot sometimes is that F or R position, which is, you know, the closest receiver to the quarterback to the wide side of the field normally. And you're, you know, you kind of felt like you're just, you're not doing anything special in a game. You're kind of just are going along, you're getting a catch here and there. But by the end you had like, there were days where I had like 12 catches for like 106 yards. Like I just was <laughs> getting like, you know, here and there and just getting first downs, doing what you're doing. And at the end of that game, you know, no touchdowns, nothing spectacular, but like, wow, you know, I, I really impacted the way that this game progressed and it's a good threshold to hit. I wonder, I hope, I think, I mean, you can't just continue to pass for 300 yards plus every week and not have anybody over a hundred. That will happen for the tight cats here shortly. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And now is the, the best time to do it with three games left and wins yeah. are important. I want to ask you just a, a few uh, quick questions before we wrap up. Um, Don Jackson, that, mm-hmm. you know, he was great, 120 yards, uh, best performance by a Ticats running back, and, and so much talk about his, his burst. That's reason for optimism going into this game, the way Don Jackson played, isn't it? A hundred percent. I was very, very impressed. While we watched the Edmonton game, we haven't seen Don Jackson a lot this year. I love, so I'm a pass, I'm a passing. I want to see the ball thrown down the field. That's, that's what I want to see an offense do. And I have this, yeah, I have a receiver. Yeah, I get it. (laughs) Yeah. I have a leaning towards that, but in the run game, what I like to see is an efficient backfield exchange. I cannot stand watching the run game where it seems like it takes three seconds just to get the ball transferred from the quarterback from the center to the quarterback to the running back and then have the room. It's just frustrating to me. And I think that the Ticats have done a good job of efficiently getting the ball up the field quickly, even when they've included the, the receivers in the, in the run game, they've that's increased this year is their speed and efficiency in the backfield. But Don Jackson last week, it's like the snap of the ball and that exchange from center back center to quarterback quarterback to Don Jackson and Don Jackson past the line of scrimmage is like that. I mean, it, yeah. it was really impressive. And then, when he does break through that first level, you know, break through that line of scrimmage and those, and those guys up on the, up in the box there, when he gets to that linebacker depth, he immediately swallows up the yardage that's available to him. And he goes straight line. I think he was a huge asset in Edmonton uh, to the Ticats and lucky for them, you know, if they've got it, when Sean Thomas Rillington is healthy, they've got two guys who, who can be productive in the run game for them. For sure. And Sean Thomas Erlington tied for the touchdown lead on the team. So when he gets a chance, he takes it to the end zone. Seven of the 16 carries by Don Jackson were for eight yards or more. So that's, uh, that's pretty fun that's to watch amazing. for Ticats fans. At center, uh, we're going to see Coulter Woodmansey. There are a couple uh, injuries deep there now, I guess, with, of course, Darius Sirocco and John Yarbrough. <laughs> what a rookie season for Woodmansey. <laughs> 
finally gets yeah. a chance there at right guard beside Chris Van Zyl. <laughs> he's at center. Like he's, he's, uh, you got Brandon Revenberg and Van Zyl and the, the offensive line really hasn't missed a beat with all these young guys. Yeah, and I think that I think you just said it right there. So you've got two guys. One was the uh, most outstanding lineman in 2019, the last CFL season, and then Brandon Revenberg was the runner-up for that award the prior season. You've got two outstanding Canadian offensive linemen, and yes, the center is generally the <clears throat> orchestrator of those front five. He's he's generally in, on on teams. You've got a center there who's making the calls in their in their in their protection and in the defensive fronts that they're seeing we'll see and maybe they are gonna gonna uh keep that in that position but brandon revenberg and, and chris van Zyl are undoubtedly going to play a huge role in keeping the cohesiveness of that unit and they're more than capable to do so so i think what we actually saw solid play even with those as the injuries continue to happen in the edmonton game uh the protection maintained for the most part. And so it will be a challenge and a focus for the Ticats, but I've been impressed with the way that they've dealt with the adversity so far. And uh, something to keep an eye on is Jalen Acklin touchdown in three straight games. Does he make it four straight? You know what? I'm not going to be surprised if he continues to do this. And the funny thing about that, about how his games have progressed to me, it's not like, it's not like he's getting, you know, a catch every drive or he's, you know, going to, he gets two in the first quarter, two in the second quarter, and then scores his touchdown. Solely spreads the ball out. And then all of a sudden it's a 60 yard touchdown to Acklin. It's like, yeah. Yeah. you know, a couple of times it's like, Oh, there's Jalen Acklin and there's a touchdown, you know, and, and that's the first thing you see of him. I just, I know of it. I, he was, I, I, I really enjoyed him being a rookie uh, in 2019 with me. He's, he works hard, but he's not, and I hope. And I wonder if this sounds like I'm saying that he's not humble, which is not the case, because he is really a team first guy. You hear it in his interviews, and he is. But the guy wants the ball, and he wants to make a show of it. <laughs> you know, he wants to be the guy, and that looks good on a receiver. You know, you can, uh, you know that 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 that's a good mentality to have for a playmaker. And so when his chance comes, he makes it, and he doesn't have to be. <clears throat> excuse me, he doesn't have to be warmed up into the game or you know you know he doesn't get out of funk if he hasn't had a ball in you know in in 20 minutes of of game clock if that play gets called he's ready to score and that's huge i think it i think it puts a little in a to in a tommy condell phrase it puts some it puts a few things a few drops in the in the trust jar and i think jeremiah mazzoli you know he's learning that more and more about jalen acklin he's ready to go when his when his number is called for sure. And before we go, I have to say, nice mustache. You're taking part in Mo Movember. Looks pretty good. Uh, yours, yours isn't as quite as strong, nope. but I, I trust that it's coming in shortly. <laughs> I, I have zero I mean, confidence in my mustache growing uh, <laughs> ability. <laughs> well, yep. Louis, Louis B and I got the Movember campaign. So anybody, any, you're, all Ticat fans are welcome to, to donate, to join the campaign, to grow your stash. We're going to have some sort of uh, award or meet and greet or something like that for any, uh, any fan who wants to, to take part in the campaign. So uh, uh, feel free to do so. We're, we're, uh, we're fighting the fight with the mustaches until the end of uh, November. Well, looking good. And if uh, any listeners out there want more about the mustache, task and twos with uh, Luke and Andy, great stuff this week. It's hilarious. <laughs> and some great mustache stories. So uh, BC in Hamilton, on Friday. Can't wait for this one, Luke. Uh, we'll see you then. All right, RJ. Looking forward to it, man.
Tons of great programming on uh, Ticats Audio Network leading into the game. Of course, at 6 o'clock, it'll be Louis B. and Andy Fantuz with Ticats pregame. Luke and I will have kickoff at 7 o'clock. Playoff spot on the line for the Tiger Cats. If they win, they're in the playoffs. So don't miss this one. The Tie Cats this week with RJ Broadhead and Luke Tasker. Like and subscribe to get their preview the last weekday before every Tie Cats game.